Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thank you so much for joining us. We start tonight with some great, great news about how North Dakota is dealing with the COVID-19 situation, but also some, let's just say, not such great news. We'll start tonight with the not so great news. Many in the Valley were very frustrated, disappointed today when they found out that mass testing for COVID-19 at the Fargo Dome was nixed. It was canceled. It was supposed to take place from about 1 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. today was really especially for people who still have to go to work or may, may have been exposed to COVID-19. Now, Governor Bergham addressed and acknowledged this earlier today at his presser that the state has run out of testing supplies. Valley News team Callie Hubbard spoke with people in the Metro who were upset that it was called off just hours before it was supposed to happen. It was infuriating, terrifying all at once. Stephanie Rogers from Fargo was looking forward to getting a COVID test at the Fargo Dome Monday. I was just at the emergency room last night, and though I didn't have any symptoms, I had a fever and the doctor asked about it. So I was kind of looking forward to being able to know for sure. Fargo Cass Public Health says there's a shortage of testing supplies at the North Dakota Department of Health's microbiology lab. The North Dakota Joint Information Center says they have big decisions to make and they are holding off on doing interviews right now. But many on Facebook voiced their concerns over canceling the event two hours before it was supposed to start. That was really kind of sad because you got to figure people from other communities might even have took off time from work. Uh, they might have just had to leave a household and they didn't need to. They're halfway there, if not already there, and then you find out it's not available. Robert Smith is telling people to think again before they go and get tested. If you're not around anybody that is or known to be infected, if you're not having any symptoms whatsoever, let's not waste our resources or the people's time testing you. In Fargo. Callie Hubbard, Valley News Live. Again, Governor Bergham addresses at his uh, presser today. He feels pretty good about uh, getting things back on track, thanks to NDSU. And we'll know you, uh, give you more information, obviously, as we get it with this mass testing schedule. It was scheduled all over the state. They're going to have one in Williston tomorrow. So, again, we will keep you abreast. But now, the great news. I want to give a big hat tip, if you will, and say thank you and great job to Governor Doug Burgum, the North Dakota Department of Health, and really everyone that right now is working on this COVID-19 situation. Last week, some of you reached out to me. You were concerned about the way North Dakota was reporting COVID deaths in the state. What was happening is they were basically lumping everyone in together into one number rather than saying who died from COVID, rather, or versus, I should say, who died with COVID. So they were kind of putting all that into one number. So we talked about this last week and the importance of the distinction. Here's some of what we had to say. They said, they said, hey, Chris, you know, thanks for reaching out. Of the 19 individuals who passed away, 10 died from COVID-19. Folks, listen closely to this. Remember, they're telling you every single day at the Department of Health, at these press conferences, 19 people have passed. They're telling us now 10, 10 died from COVID-19. One died with another cause listed as primary, uh, COVID-19 listed as secondary, and eight, eight are still pending. Pending means the individual has passed away, but the death was recent enough that the record is not complete. State law says the physician has got up to 10 days. Let me know if you have any additional questions. We certainly could change our reporting and only report deaths that were covid is listed on the death record, but wanted to get the information out to the public in a more timely manner. 
So I want to know your point of view on this tonight. Should North Dakota simply maybe add an addendum to their press release to the North Dakota Department of Health website and say, hey, we've got 10 deaths, 10 because of COVID-19. One died because of another cause. Secondary was COVID-19. We've got eight that are still pending. And to me, it, when you're talking about somebody leaving this planet, it's, it's important information. Again, facts, not fear. I think that addendum would be very, very nice. And so that addendum would be very, very nice to show just to show you the outstanding job North Dakota is doing and how they are listening to you, the people. They have now changed what they're doing on the North Dakota Department of Health website and how they're reporting COVID deaths. Let's bring this graphic up, please. Uh, you can see here that they're now doing deaths due to COVID-19. So it's now broken into deaths due to COVID-19. They've also got deaths where COVID-19 is not not the primary cause. And then they've also got pending, depending on those actual death certificates or the death records. It makes a difference in how things are communicated, how people hear this information. So I think it's awesome that they're listening to you, that you spoke out, and that you and I, we can make a difference to maybe communicate more effectively about the importance of these numbers and the data. Because remember, facts, not fear. So thank you to Governor Bergman and his team. And honestly, when you see that and you see all the information going on across the country right now about COVID deaths, the CDC, John Hopkins, every other place, let's hope and pray that every other state in the union is going to follow North Dakota's lead. All right. Today, in Minnesota, some press conferences took place. There's a lot of conversation, angst, anxiety about, as President Trump would say, liberating Minnesota or reopening Minnesota again. And, and really, as we know, the balance is, is how do we save lives as well as save livelihoods. I mean, small business owners right now are very, very concerned if they're actually going to be able to, to make it to this May 18th date that the governor's executive stay-at-home order has laid out there. And who knows if that's going to be the final date or not. And I think the big question we want to look at tonight, because I've got a story I'm going to get to here in a moment, is does the governor's executive order really have any legal teeth for against or yeah, against these small businesses. Now, today, a reporter at Governor Wall's press conference had this exchange about entrepreneurs and small businesses. But a lot of these are entrepreneurs in the American entrepreneurial spirit, and they're saying, look, we've got a plan that conforms with everything we've seen from the CDC and the yep. state. Let us give it a go. We're That's what we're doing. Family business. But they're saying, let us open up now with this plan. Do you well, not do you not trust them to, to do I do trust them. Do? I think it needs to be thoughtful on this. Um, again, the, the better angels um, we've seen will don't worry, there's nothing coming out of this smokestack type of thing. Yes, I trust the vast majority, but every time we have one that doesn't happen and you get a hot spot and the situation we saw is look how quickly one business turned into 1100 and this is a company that knows they have to get their workers back they care about it they're trying to be uh, with us so it's not that i think it's working through a, a process and i get it the sense of urgency it's now been 38 days of this um that's what we're trying to get to that is exactly and i i do trust that they're coming up with good ideas the one thing is is when i hear people say you know i said it last week if there's the desire that we need to have a sense of urgency and get these businesses back opening and balance it with public safety, they're exactly right. Those who say we need to open this up because it's overblown, it's just the flu, are dead wrong. 
And he's got a point there, but it doesn't mean that we have to shut down these businesses for 38 days. It's not just the entrepreneurs that invested, many of them, their life savings into this, but also the employees that don't have the jobs as well. We've got to find a better balance. So earlier today, the Minnesota GOP Senate, they held a press conference to talk about reopening Minnesota again. So again, that we can save lives as well as save livelihoods. You go up to Halleck, Minnesota, they're saying open up everything. We need to get going. But if you talk to somebody and say Woodbury, it's like, what are you doing? Don't go too fast. And so we're trying to find that balance about what we're doing and how we're doing it. And the range of emotion that I hear and feel from our public is all across the board. So there is a lot of emotions going on right now because, again, if you look at it, I think I heard earlier today at this press conference, there's really five counties I think there's 87 counties in Minnesota. So there's five of them that have got a concentration of COVID. But as you just heard there from Senate Leader Majority Paul, Z Paul Gazelke, you can't treat Halleck like St. Paul or Bemidji like Burnsville, right? I mean, it, it just doesn't really make sense. And remember, President Trump has talked about how you can actually open up county by county if you think that's a good way to go about doing things. And I think there's an opportunity in Minnesota right now to take this uh, from perspective of county by county, especially for small business owners. Now, I bring all this up for small business owners out there because what I'm hoping some of you are beginning to ask yourself is, hey, where do my constitutional rights lie? And do these executive orders do really have legal teeth? Remember, it was last Monday, Attorney General Bill Barr said, look, if any of these executive orders, any of these stay-at-home orders start to inflict upon your constitutional rights, wait for a second on that, Zach, I'm going to get to that graphic in a moment. But if any of these stay-at-home orders begin to infringe upon your constitutional rights, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to make sure that that is not what's happening. So I bring this up because in Florida, and Zach, one second, we'll get to that graphic. I want to read some of what a, a law firm put out about a gentleman who was, he was wrongfully arrested. He was running his business in Florida. Um, according to what the governor was asking, he was wrongfully arrested on two charges of violation of the emergency order. Um, and the sheriff also said he was operating his business uh, as a curbside pickup basis. Here's why I bring this up, and I'll now grab it. We can bring that graphic up, Zach, uh, because I'm going to reach you the kind of the second half of what this person, it's kitchen table gains that was wrongfully arrested, the owner. If you can go down just a little bit with me, audience, but it says, together with Anthony Sabatini, that was his attorney, they forced the Pinellas County to tap out and drop the charges against Gallon. That was the owner. This is a victory for anyone who believes in the American system of government and the natural inalienable rights to pursue life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Did you know the Florida, I don't know if Minnesota does or not, but the Florida Constitution expands upon that in Article 1, saying that all natural persons, female and male alike, are equal before the law and have inalienable rights, among which are the right to enjoy and defend life and liberty, to pursue happiness, and to be rewarded for industry and to acquire, possess, and protect property. He goes on to say, you have the right to work, and that right is inalienable. 